When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural, no pesticides, no artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDKA. Ah, oh, yes, he's full of love and merriment today, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Doug Oster is here, along with Jessica Wallace. Before we do anything, I'm going to begin the show by saying I had a little uh, tour of Janoski's new edition that they're getting ready to uh, unfold, I'm sure, in a couple of months, just before spring. Incredible. Sonny Janoski would be proud of us with Mike out there at the Pumpkin Patch and Pumpkin Land open today. Just a spectacular venue, as all of our clients are. And as you mentioned, uh, Jessica, it was a big day at Sorgles, too. So, you know what? It's their time of year to shine, and we're here to tell you all about them. So, ladies and gentlemen, let's give you the opportunity at 412-922-1020 for the 10th caller to win a $25 gift certificate from our friends at Sorgles out in Wexford. If you have a question for Doug or Jess, it's 866-391-1020 or Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdka.com. Good morning, guys. Good morning. I am Doug Oster from the Tribune Tribune Review and everybodygardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. And right off the bat, we got to say happy birthday, Jessica. Turned 29 yesterday. Happy 29 birthday, again, Jess. man. I'm going for a record. <laughs> you know what? Thank you. Compared to us, she is 29. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, compared to you. <laughs> you're, you're not too far behind there, buddy. <laughs> it was a great day. The weather was gorgeous. Got to spend some time with family. And... I actually channeled you, Doug, on my birthday by going down to the Swickley's Farmer's Market and stocking up on garlic from Enon Valley Garlic Farm. I, I got like about 10 different kinds of hard neck and soft neck garlic, awesome. got some to send to my mom. And of course, I'm standing there in front of the probably, I don't know, two, three dozen different varieties of garlic that they have there, salivating, thinking about uh, next summer already when I get to pull those heads out of the garden. Oh, how fun. How fun. How fun. It is time to plant garlic. We know that. Did you get any of the rain the other day? A tiny little bit. Yeah, we got just a little yesterday. bit Yesterday. Yep. I was actually... Or no, uh, Friday night. I was actually on the lake and all of a sudden the wind kicked up like crazy and I looked at the radar on my phone and I was like, uh-oh. Oh, no. You paddled, never paddled but, faster in your yeah, life, Yeah, by the time huh? I got back, it was it was past. Okay. But yeah, I was glad to see we got a little bit of rain, but Boy, it's it's just too dry out there, that's for Super sure. Super dry, yeah. And it came down so hard and so fast that I think that the, probably most of it just ran off uh, because the ground is just so dry right now. I did now. see that they uh, revised the forecast looking at maybe rain for Friday. But if, you know, we got to get out there and water. You know, that I, I hate watering, but that's what we got to do. You know, especially containers, you know, mm-hmm. newly planted trees and shrubs. I, I want to put in some trees and shrubs. I fell in love with a new one. It's a variegated Japanese pieris called Fire and Ice. I Ooh. saw it at Han the other day, and there was only one left. And she says, "I'm gonna. We're going up to the lake. We're gonna get more. Just wait. I want to sell this one." And uh, I just, you know, Japanese pieris, deer resistant, uh, and a variegated variety. I have the perfect spot for it. Yeah, this is funny. The spot is where I dug a hole last year. I had a little Japanese standard Japanese pieris in a one-gallon pot. 
I just kind of left it in the hole, and I found it this summer. <laughs> I'd never planted it. I forgot all about it. Oh, whoops. So it was still in the pot, in the hole, dead, and obviously. Dead, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I have, yeah. a, I have a correction from last week's show. I said I killed two of those wolf eyes, Kusa dogwoods. Yeah. I only killed one. I saw it in the woods the other day. And it's, was, alive. It's, it's alive. It's alive. it's alive. Awesome. Always got to love when that happens. That's always a nice little surprise. Uh, we have uh, a visitor from Davy Tree today. Our friend Todd Sherbandi is going to be here. We're going to talk about right tree, right place. Oh, important oh, that's subject. That's important. And I got a couple gigs coming up on Thursday, so let's get through that. On Thursday morning, I'll be leading a tour at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden with Executive Director Keith Kaiser. We always have fun doing that. It's $20 for members, $30 for non-members, and it includes lunch. All the information on how to register is at the Pittsburgh Bota PittsburghBotanicGarden.org. And then on Thursday night at 6.30, I'm going to be the MC of the Hoedown for the Hounds <laughs> at the Beaver County Humane Society. It benefits the organization. There's going to be Southern-style barbecue food and drinks, live music, dogs available for adoption, which is important, a photo shoot, raffle, auction items, and more. You can find out more at the Humane Society's website, which I did not put on the rundown, but I'll you figure can, it out. You can Google Beaver County Humane Society, there you go. right? Uh, it sounds like you're going to have a busy Thursday. And I got KDKA TV that morning, so. It's going to be a really busy <laughs> oh, Thursday. It'll, it'll be fun, though. It's just, it, it is going to be fun. Yeah. yeah, it's that time of year. I've got a couple of speaking engagements this week, too, but they're, they're uh you know, closed events, so, you know, <laughs> you can't, I don't think, I'm just glad walk in. I'm but glad anyway. that you're growing 10 different, or growing a bunch of different yeah. varieties of garlic. Uh, I was last night munching on, I like to pull the little cloves aside. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, when you were looking at the what to buy and some of the heads were smaller, some of those smaller heads, that's just the way that they, they, they grow. Right. And they just have a, a unique flavor. I told you about that one time where I just sat there and ate 10 different varieties before I planted them little cloves and wrote down yep. about all the different things. Whether you really notice it, 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 you know, when they're done, like I've got just a whole box of garlic that I harvested. I don't have them separated. So mm -hmm. I just take the little ones out and those are the ones I eat raw and just love them. And I always suggest to people to grow more than one variety because you never know if a disease That's is going to strike point. or one does not perform as well. And I often suggest to mixing some hard neck and soft neck because uh, there's a lot of differences between hard neck and soft neck garlic. I actually have an article coming out um, this week. Uh, on the Savvy Gardening website about the difference between hard neck and soft neck garlic and why that is important to gardeners. And I find, too, there's a major difference in flavors between those two classes of garlic. And then within those classes are all these different named varieties. So I was excited to, um, you know, get named varieties that I could sample in different ways and see if I can taste that subtle difference between each variety. But how will you, like when I, I always have the best intentions when I plant all those different varieties and I have them all marked and everything, but then mm -hmm. when I harvest them, it's just kind of a crazy, like I better get them out you of the ground. You just pull them out yeah, and do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. I don't know what's what. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to tag them, I think. Um, and I, Nikki was the one, Nikki Jabor, our friend up in uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia, who's an edibles expert. She uh, uses little tags, like a, a nursery tag that they put on trees, but then she puts it on each stalk of garlic. You know, that she sounds, labels the row and then puts one on each one so that when you pull it out, the tag is already there. You already know what that variety is when you pull it out. So you don't have to sort them after you pull that's them. A good idea. It's already labeled. So I, I think that's what I'm going to do because I do want to keep each one separate from the other.
Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations to Joel from Pittsburgh, winner of that gift certificate to Sorgles. We'll come back. Your phone calls now for Doug and Jess, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdk.com. Good morning. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green, the organic gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDK. All right, let's say hi to Barbara. Up first for Doug and Jess still to come. Todd Shabondi, Davy Trees, Talking Trees. Barbara, good morning. Welcome to the Organic Gardeners on KDKA. Good morning. I do want to ask something about raspberries, but first I want to thank Jessica for recommending the Mexican sunflower. I have had um, monarch butterflies, three of them, every day uh, in the past three weeks or four weeks. And nice. they are all on the Mexican sunflowers they are beautiful nice and i'm telling you you know it's it's an annual it's big it's uh, at my house it attracts more butterflies than my butterfly bush ever did which i I ripped out lovely i mean i'm just so thrilled thank you but also i want to ask you about raspberries this is the main reason i called when is um i can't remember when to cut them back well it depends on what type you have are they red or black We have actually two kinds. Okay. We have one that uh, does two, t- uh, you know, they, you get a few in the in July or whatever, and then some later in the, you know, in the fall. Uh-huh. And then the other ones, where they start and they, they just sort of come, like, in, I guess the end of June they start. Okay. I don't know what the, what the varieties are, but okay. that's the way they grow. Are they mixed together, or is one variety no, no, in no, one no. area and one's no, in another? they're separate. They're okay, separate. that's good. That's good. So um, the ones that only bloom or only bear once per year, they're June bearers, and um, a, a lot of people will cut them down to the ground first thing in the spring. You know, every stalk will get cut down to the ground. That will delay their production a little bit till later in the season, but it'll keep the, the berry patch cleaner. So you can do that with them. You can also um, do a what I do in my patch, which is I cut half of them back halfway. So half of the stems, instead of take them all the way to the ground, I cut them back halfway, and then they um, fork, and then I get twice as many berries on those branches because they fork off. So you can try that and see if you get better production. Um, the ones that do the double bearing, um, cut the stalks that have already produced all the way back down to the ground because they will not produce again. Um, and then the other ones, uh, you should, um, I don't want to tell you the wrong thing here. You should let the ones that haven't produced yet, let them all the way up. And then the second crop will come out from the ground in the spring. It's a very complicated. <laughs> you could use you could use my technique though. My technique is to do nothing, and they always have berries on them. <laughs> okay, come on now. Right, so they'll be everywhere. Exactly. So. But and my thing to always tell people is if you're not sure which variety you have, and you're not sure about how they're going to do, if they've already, if a particular cane has already produced a berry, that cane gets cut all the way down to the ground. But if it, it is in the spring. If like it has February, in the spring, February. yep, in the spring, I usually March. do mine around March and and then the rest of them if you want you can either leave them long or you can cut them back halfway or cut half of them back halfway Um, and that way you're sort of hedging your bets and you're safe no matter what but you're keeping the patch contained and keeping the production good okay thanks so much you're welcome how did your Mexican sunflowers do great they did great they're a little crooked because you gave them to me, they were a little bit lanky. Okay, so the ones I They're gave no you had sat in the greenhouse forever. Well, I never even took mine out of the greenhouse until about a month ago. Oh, geez. Yeah, they just sat in there, and they were terribly leggy and just looked awful and shouldn't have made it. I stuck them in, and they're 
they're crooked, but they're blooming like crazy now. Yeah. That plant is as tough as nails. The one I, I was looking through my photos the other day, the one that I, I used to grow, but I haven't grown in years, is Yellow Torch, is the yellow version, uh -huh, uh -huh. which I would really like to do. Um, but that is just such a great plant. And do you grow anything other than torch? Do you grow a smaller one or anything like that? No, I grow the big yeah, one. The bigger, the better. Really cool. And I put it right in the vegetable garden. So all the pollinators are loving on it. So the back of the vegetable garden, so it doesn't shade anything out. And it is just, you know, she mentioned monarchs on hers. The swallowtails and fritillaries absolutely oh, love mine. Oh, that's one thing I wanted to talk to you about because I saw some stuff on the interweb. I don't know if you know what that is, but you have to go on there and Google and everything. <laughs> Uh, about monarchs doing a little bit better. Have you read anything about that? Have you uh, seen anything about I that? I have been hearing that for the past year or two, um, that their their North American uh, populations are uh, up a little bit, but it's still like a 90% decline from okay. what they were a decade. You know, I did not see one in my garden this 60 year. 60 years ago. So they, I've seen maybe two or three, and that's Jeez. it. Um but I, so many gardeners are rearing the caterpillars. You know, they find them on their milkweed, and rather than letting them out there in the elements and risking predation, they raise them and rear them indoors. And it's actually very easy to do. And that way, you can you know watch them pupate and emerge, and then set them free to to fly you know south from there. And that way, they're protected from predators. My friend Mary D sent me a message on Twitter. P A Happy Girl. I love that name. Uh, <laughs> She's got a picture of her lawn all tore up and says, do deer forage for grubs? So here's the picture. Oh, let me see it. Yeah. What do you think? Is that deer or is that skunks and I possums? I think that's skunks and yeah, possums. I, and you know what? They're, when you have turf that folds up like a carpet like that, they're in there looking for grubs. Yep. So uh, she's got grubs going on and some skunk or possum, uh, maybe even a raccoon, but probably a skunk or possum, is getting up there folding the car you know, when, folding the, the turf back like a carpet to get to the grubs. When do those grubs. grubs start to go down so we don't have to worry about it? Once those. we start to get really cold weather, the soil starts to get cold, they'll, the grubs will migrate further down in the soil and then we don't have that issue. But yeah. But just because she's having that happening in that one tiny area does not mean that she has a grub infestation. I mean, the rule of thumb is if you if you dig out a square foot of sod and you have uh, 10 or more grubs in that square foot area, then you have a grub infestation that you really need to worry about doing something about. And it's pretty rare, especially on an organic lawn, to have that type of a heavy infestation um, usually we actually see the worst problems on lawns that are heavily fertilized, heavily irrigated, uh, because obviously the Japanese beetles love those conditions for egg laying. So it's just another case for having an organic lawn because you actually have less pest problems and less scrub problems when your lawn is organic than you do when you feed it and water it and try to tend it all the time. Uh, you know, and I, you know, living in the shade, I have lots of impatience, which most are succumbing to downy impatient mildew. Mm. And so I am replacing those all right now with pansies and flowering kale. Uh, so it happened at an okay time of year. They that's were going to get frosted that's, anyway. That's what I say. You know, a lot of people are, are saying, you know, I, when I when I research this, I research something. Wow. <laughs> I had to write about it, so I had to research it. <laughs> but mostly this disease, even though it can be spread from... Uh, Soil, fungal uh, spores in the soil, most of it is from the air, which comes up from the south. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what the scientists told me. And so that's why we're getting it later. Yep. 
And I need my impatience. I love impatience. It's easy for me to grow them. And uh, I, mean, I am in the shade. And like now, as the leaves fall, I'm just going to put in pansies and flowering kale. And those will go all the way through at least December, maybe longer, depending on the winter. Mm-hmm. You know, I hope it's an easy winter. Well, we're all, I think almost everybody's probably hoping for that. But we have to have enough chill hours for all the fruit trees and all that stuff. So we got to have and I need a little bit. Of, I need a little bit of real super cold to kill off that woolly, uh, hemlock woolly adalgid on my hemlocks, although I've been working on that. Yeah. So you have uh, impatient downy mildew. I have basil downy mildew. That started in my garden about a week ago uh, on the sweet basil, which was looking so good. I've grown the best basil I've grown in years this year. I mean, the plants were like three feet tall. I just got so many harvests out of them. And now in the past couple of weeks, I've started to notice it looks, when you flip the leaf of the basil over, it looks like it's dusted in black soot. Uh, And you can actually see the little teeny, if you look super close with your reading glasses, you can see little tiny spores. Uh, Don't you have a magnifying glass when you're out there looking for bugs? I I do, but I did not have it with me. But, you know, I'm starting to have to carry reading glasses. I I like it. I know, right? Uh, And so you can see that, and then the tops of the leaves start to uh, turn crinkly and brown, and then eventually the plant will succumb to it. I have a a friend that won't buy reading glasses because he says that um, it weakens your eyes. <laughs> well, when you can't read. I know. I, I, if, I succumbed, if I thought that way, I couldn't read anything. I'm just starting to need them for like, you know, when we trim the cat's nails or, you know, if I have to sew a button back on, I have to thread the needle, definitely need them for that. So It gets to a point where you, you can't survive without them. You have to have your reading glasses, and when you don't, it's panic time. Like it's you like, every Sunday, and yeah. you got them on right now so you can you know read the papers and I have in front a, of us. I have a, like, the plastic readers in, in all my vehicles and you know with crazy colors. <laughs> all right, folks, let's get a break in here. Then we're going to get some news from CBS, and right back to the phones. We're going to head to Weirton. Uh, it's 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdka.com. 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, kdka.com. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. Is Radio 1020 KDK. Okay, don't forget day two, Pumpkin Land today, 10 to 5. Get out and enjoy some of that clean, crisp country air at Janoski's in Clinton. And we'll take the 10th caller right now. That person is going to take home a $25 gift certificate that you can enjoy at Janoski's. Don't forget the wonderful restaurant across the street as well for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So 412-922-1020. And now it's time for Talking Trees, a service of the Davy Tree Expert Company. We are joined by Todd Sherbondi from the Davy Tree Expert Company. But Good when morning. Todd Todd walked in, we don't care about you, Todd. We, right. we, we said hi to Olivia, right, Jess? Yeah. Oh, Todd's here? Oh, oh, hi, hi. Todd. Hi, I'm here. Hi, we were just all excited about your super fashionable, super smart cookie of a daughter. Olivia is joining us here in the studio. Good morning, Olivia. Good morning. How is fifth grade going? Great. You're getting good grades. Mm-hmm. You're working hard. Mm-hmm. You're having fun. Yeah. Okay. No boyfriend, right? <laughs> smart girl. No. <laughs> smart, we want to see smart portfolios girl. first. Dad wants to review that. By That's right. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get on to the trees. Uh, Todd, in a second, we're going to talk about right tree, right place. But what right. about this this dry weather? Uh, what, what, oh, what, my what, gosh. I mean, I'm not, let's start off with like a, a 
mature tree? Do we need to worry about it or what? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All trees right now, uh, people call in and say, hey, you know, should be, we be watering? You know, I didn't really think we needed to water. We were up seven inches in rainfall earlier on in the season. This is absolutely go time. Uh, it's critical to get the water to the trees. Deep, infrequent waterings are always best. Um, so you want to get a soaker hose or some way to get some really uh, good water down into the ba- in, into that fibrous root system of the tree. How do you know how much water? Well, that's that's a great question. Um, usually, we're looking at, uh, gosh, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. It's probably about a gallon, roughly per inch. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna you want to get some deep watering in there. So you want to run your hose about an hour. Let it on a slow trickle. That's always best. Maybe even an hour and a half if we don't get any any rain here in the near future. They're not calling for anything. No, ten, for next at least days, be right, right, yeah, right. So. It's it's crazy, and everything's you know. Uh, I was looking at my, sitting out in my back porch. I mean, everything is. We're not. I, we're not even getting fall color. It's just the leaves are turning brown and dropping Trying off the trees. The, the poison yeah, ivy's getting fall color. Yeah, not in my house. The leaves are all off of that too. It just dropped. <laughs> they dropped green or turned crispy brown and dropped right off. Yeah. So does this mean we're not going to have good fall color? I, mean, uh, I wouldn't uh, say that yet. We're okay. we're still in that time frame. So uh, there's a lot of dryness out there. But if we get some decent rainfall, you might see some good things happening. All right, on to right tree, right place. And, of course, that's that's the mantra for everybody who's talking about planting trees. Amen. Uh, first off, you know, know how big it's going to get, right? Yeah, that's a great point. What we want to do is look at the tree. You know, you look at a hemlock. Uh, if you go into the Allegheny National Forest, there are some 100-foot-plus hemlocks. You know, planting it right up next to the house, probably not the best idea. So mm-hmm. if you have a question about how big is my tree going to get, and remember, and you guys know this as well, Dwarf is a relative term in the tree world. Just because they say it's a dwarf or a miniature variety, that doesn't mean that it's going to stay small sometimes. You know, a dwarf tree may be 15, 20 feet plus. And do they really stop growing? I mean, yeah, they're, they're, you know, you you get close, but they keep. Because even dwarf fruit trees, people are like, I I grew I planted this dwarf (laughs) apple tree and it's like. 30 feet tall and I don't understand and you're like right. well did you you know prune it and maintain it the way it needs to be maintained oh right. I have to do that like yeah. they don't think about the fact that they that don't has just to be part stay of the small practice. yep exactly, exactly. yeah right. that's exactly a good and point. then exposure to to light moisture right yeah in full sun that's going to be a big uh portion of what you're going to see a lot of times if you have a tree out in in a full sun area it's going to it's going to grow a lot larger um sometimes if they're in a shadier location they won't do as well maybe they stay a little bit smaller and I want to tell you a lesson I learned at my own house okay. with the right plant, right yeah. place. So you've been to our house. So yeah. I don't know if you remember. We have sort of like uh, off the patio. It's a low sort of sunk area. And then we have some right. steps going up into the upper part of the yeah. backyard. Well, on that lower area, when we first had the patio put in and the wall built and the grading done, we had, uh, I always wanted a stewardia, Japanese stewardia. Oh, yeah. So we planted a Japanese stewardia there. And uh, within two years, it was dead. Oh, yeah. And I thought, oh my gosh, why? Because I did everything, you know, I, I kind of know how to take care of yeah, a tree. So I was like, okay, I did in, right. exactly what I was supposed to do. <laughs> and when I took the plant out of that, pulled it out of the hole, dug it out, it was just water in oh, that gosh, hole no because kidding. it was a low lying place. It was before we had a French drain put in. Yeah. And so also talk about low-lying areas like that what we ended up putting in is a virginia magnolia which which yeah. likes those wet feet and right. it's thriving yeah a lot of times you'll see a location that and remember western pennsylvania we have uh, a lot of clay soil mm-hmm. so if you're planting into clay 
think of what clay really is. You, I mean, you're you're planting into a pot and all for all intent. You know, mm-hmm. the, the water doesn't percolate through there. So, if you're going to plant into a clay area, heavy clay area, make sure that to your point, there's not a lot of water draining down into there. If there is, maybe you have to put in some type of drainage to alleviate that. But on the other side of it, if you just can't get around that, you know, you we have to have a, a tree right here. We there are trees out there that actually thrive in in wet growing conditions so um you know bald cypress being one of them some willow some types of willows are are good for for uh those wet areas use absolutely not um and i know not a lot of people are planting use anymore they're kind of you know old school but yeah um you plant a you into a wet area and you're really going to be in trouble yeah so do some research right before you plant especially have a low-lying area you gotta do that research take some soil samples of that area and find out what you really have look at the soil profile you don't just need to know what the soil composition is and what the micronutrients and all that are look at the actual uh, profile of the soil if you have good alluvial soil or if you have a heavy clay soil something you really want to uh, pay attention to take the soil probe out and dig in what about doing a perk test because i've known people yeah, that have done that idea. right where you dig a hole that's like three feet deep or two yeah. feet deep you fill it up with water see how long it takes to drain out yeah and of course that's going to vary depending on the time of year no but doubt about that if water sits in that hole for a day probably you're, not a great place to put a tree that doesn't like wet feet. You may be in trouble. Or, okay. you know, you can remediate. You, there are some things you can do. Again, just back to that right tree for the right place. Is the tree go? How? What's the tree look like? What's the exposure going to be? Um, is it something that you can remediate in there? Maybe put in some gravel or a French drain and, you know, help that, help that tree thrive going forward. So, Good advice. And we are talking a lot about planting trees right now. When you got uh, somebody in the studio who might be a cheapskate looking for them on sale... Hmm. What are we looking for when we're looking at a tree to make sure that, yeah, it's on sale, but that it's going to survive? survive. Yeah, that's another great point. I love the trees on sale, but at the end of the day, sometimes you may be buying a, a not a lemon, I guess. <laughs> I'm looking at a, a pink pink dogwood that got uh, deer rubbing last season. Yeah. L- looks pretty good, and, you know, it's a deal. So, Or it, has it been sitting in that pot for an entire growing season? Yeah. You know, are they, I mean, and that's something you can buy and maybe uh, get it in the ground and it'll look good. But you want to break up, and we talked about this before, I think, you want to break up that root system. If it's all wrapped around in a big ma- knotted mess, uh, you want to take the shovel. Don't be afraid. Take the, the spade shovel or take a pair of hand pruners and just break that apart. Get it in the ground. Splay those roots out. Pull them apart. Get it in there. I think you, for for what it's worth, I would buy uh, some trees this time of the year. There's a lot of good trees still out there, and to be honest. Good prices. Yeah, there's some really great prices, if you're a cheapskate, that is. If we only knew one. All right. Splay your roots. Splay your roots. Splay your roots. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash KDKA. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. Is Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, Amy from Scott Township won that $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. Don't forget, day two of Pumpkinland opens today at 10 o'clock. Let's get back to Doug and Jess. Lots of calls, lots of dollar bank instant access messages, and... Time for Mrs. Know-It-All. That's Denise Schreiber, Greenhouse Manager for Allegheny County Parks. What's on your mind this morning, Denise? Well, talking about Mexican sunflower, actually. Um, I have been seeing a ton more monarchs probably in the past three weeks than I have all summer, so that's a good sign. But I think 
people don't realize, Mexican sunflower is kind of a misnomer. When you think of sunflower, you think of the tall, big yellow plant with the big seed heads and everything. You know, Mexican sunflower, the flower is probably about three to four inches wide, but it is a very tall plant. It can go mm, six to eight feet, the straight species, um, and it's very bushy. And I always cut mine when it's got two or three true leaves on it so that it bushes out more and it doesn't fall over in any storms. But there's a shorter one, and in, in, like talking about dwarf, you know, it's kind of a misnomer. There's one that's four foot tall called Fiesta del Sol. And, you know, for some people that, you know, might work a little better for them. So if you're growing this plant, this is something you kind of want to keep in the back if you have something you want to show off in front of it. It's a great plant. It's no care. Once you plant it and water it a few times, it keeps right on going. Yep. Super tough and super easy to start from seed, too. It's not like you have to, you know, go buy plants at a nursery or start your own from seed indoors. I mean, you can literally just go out, put a seed in the garden in the spring and end up with this gigantic plant. I actually saw a torch go to 16 feet uh, in in Sewickley when we were looking at gardens out in full sun with the super soil. (laughs) That is a big That is a big It is. Hey, listen, we have lots of calls and uh, some Dollar Bank instant access. And the woman from Plum who sent us the uh, instant uh, access message about trees at an apartment complex, we want you to know that uh, Todd is going to get in touch with you directly. He's he's on it. He'll email you. What from was Davey, she? So. What was her concerns? Uh, she just wants Davy to come out and see if they will come out and take a look at some of the trees they maples have there. And so. pears. Yeah, maples and pears. Pa- maples, maples and pears. Maples and pears. Oh my! Right. Pears. So uh, Liz and Ella, or Liza and Aliquippa has a question, and I know Doug does this. So uh, Doug, what is the best way to save a tuberous begonia? for next year? Well, uh, I always wait until the top gets frosted. You don't have to worry about that uh, tuber too much. You know, wait until it gets cold enough where the top gets frosted. Remove the the top foliage, pull out that tuber. I like to sit it in the sun porch on a newspaper for about a day. Never, I never add water, like never rinse them off or anything like that. And then I store them like I store caladiums or dahlias in the same way where I have a big Rubbermaid container, and it's filled with vermiculite. And I'll just lay that tuber in there so it's not touching the other tubers, and then put another layer of vermiculite on. But, boy, just everybody saves these completely differently. Right. You know, and, and it, it, everybody, if you get it to winter over, you've done it the right way. But vermiculite, peat moss. Uh, do you put it in your garage or basement, or where do you store I that I put box? it down in the basement. There's like kind of a, I don't know. Not fruit cellar, but like a separate room that doesn't get uh, heat. And so, yeah, it stays at about 50. Yep. And nice. so that's, Perfect. you know, but if, if you didn't have that and and it was at 70, you know, or, or you'd like it to be cooler, but just look at them about once a month. Take a look in there and see what's going on. The, the trick is you don't want them to get too dry. And, of course, you don't want them to get too wet. They'll rot. But once you figure it out, once you get it where you want it, it it's it's a great way to overwinter stuff like that. I have to overwinter that. Being a cheapskate, I have to overwinter my overwinter my <laughs> caladiums, my dahlias. Uh, certainly, those I grow this one tuberous begonia called Griffin that I just love. And you know, every year I get more and more of them, mm-hmm. and the tuber gets bigger and bigger. And it's it's just... like your dream because you don't have to pay for new plants every year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right, Hold let's get to in. let's get to. We have time to get to a call or two, Rob. Yes, we do. Let's do it. Let's say hi to Kelly in Weirton, Pennsylvania. Weirton, Pennsylvania. Weirton, West Virginia. Oh, How you doing, Kelly? Good morning. 
Tom, and I enjoy listening to your show every week. Thank you. Um, my question is, we had lots of fun buying lots of perennials all summer, but we haven't got them planted yet, and we're going to be going away soon. How late in the season can you plant perennials? Oh, you can plant them really late. Uh, and again, this is because the soil stays warm for a long time. I've mm-hmm. planted perennials as late as mid-November and not had a problem with them. Sooner is better, though. Yeah, so even though we're having this little bit of a dry spell, I'd still go ahead and get them in. Make sure they stay watered um, from now all the way through the winter if we don't get any precipitation in the winter, but definitely not too late. Um, amend the soil if you can before you do planting. That's especially important with perennials. Uh, and you will, when you plant them this late in the season, you will have to go out once or twice in the winter and make sure they're not heaving up out of the soil. Sometimes when we plant them real late, their roots don't get established. And when we get freeze-thaw cycles, that pot shape, right, that when you plant them kind of pops up out of the soil. Push them out. Just go out with your foot, step down next to that plant, push it back down into the soil uh, to make sure that it doesn't heave out. You don't affect the roots at all, and you'll be good to go. Okay, thank you. Same thing with the um, bulbs. Fall bulbs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fall bulbs, you oh, can yeah. even do those. Yeah, you could go later with way those. Way later, yeah. You know, yeah. that's one of my tricks is, uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm the cheapskate. And uh, <laughs> we cut to about Thanksgiving, and they start going about half price. And as yeah. long as the ground isn't frozen, you can put in bulbs. But, yeah. again, sooner is better with the things. But, you know, you do it as, according to your schedule. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. All right, let's come back and wrap up the hour with Doug and Jess and Todd Shabaldi from Davy Trees next. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. Well, I want to thank Todd Sherbandi and Olivia for coming in today. Appreciate it, even though Olivia was reading a book during the show again, which uh, she's supposed to pretend to to pay attention That's to. That's how it. come she's so smart. Enthralled. That's right. And uh, come out and see me. I've got a couple things coming up on Thursday. I'll be leading a tour at the Pittsburgh Botanic Garden Thursday morning with Executive Director Keith Kaiser. It's $20 for members, $30 for non-members, and that includes lunch. You can see everything at pittsburghbotanicgarden.org. And then the same day on Thursday at 6.30 that night, I'll be in Beaver at the uh, I'll be emceeing Hoedown for the Hounds at the Beaver County Humane Society. It benefits the organization. There'll be Southern-style barbecue, food and drinks, live music, dogs available for adoption, a photo shoot, raffle, and much more. Looking forward to getting to the garden for fall, Jess. Uh, are you putting any pansies in? I'm not going to put pansies in. I'm not going to do bulbs. I'm just riding it out till the end of the season. Oh man, I got to have my pansies. Got to have my flowering kale. That, that that one I just love more than any is called red boar, and it grows like a tree. It was originally bred as a food crop, but wow. big purple, three foot tall, good center for the containers. I want to I want to sub out my containers. I want color for as long as I can get it. And those pansies and flowering kale will do it. But I understand wanting to ride it out for the season. I'm ready to ride it out. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be enough summer. work just like emptying, washing out the containers, emptying them, putting yeah, them into storage. Right. Like, that's had, always a gigantic project. you had project. more containers this year since you're writing a book about containers. Uh, yeah, and it <laughs> oh, did you mention when it's coming out? Did uh, we talk about that it, on the air? No, new oh. book comes out uh, December 12th. It's up for pre-order on Amazon now. It's Container Gardening Complete. It's already the number one new release in uh, ornamental plant gardening. Great. So awesome, awesome. Pretty good stuff. good stuff. So in time for Christmas, that's always a good thing. There you Remember, go. the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live. Why? 
Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.